0: Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane and it's Friday April the 3rd. This week we'll be comparing coronary artery bypass grafting or CABG with percutaneous coronary interventions such as balloon angioplasty and stenting for the treatment of coronary artery disease. But just before that some other content highlights from the issue dated April the 4th to the 10th. Tuberculosis receives wide coverage in this week's issue, linked to the recent TB report released by the World Health Organization on March twenty-fourth. Our lead editorial calls for more joined-up thinking and spending for a preventable disease that affects around 10 million people each year, notably in Asia and sub-Saharan Africa. And some encouraging results in the research section this week. The phase two study from Brazil, they suggest that the fluoroquinolone, moxifloxacin, when used with other treatment regimens, could reduce the time taken to treat tuberculosis. This could be a very important finding, as a lot of TB treatment failure occurs from a lack of compliance to current drug therapies. And stop press, as I speak at the time of recording this podcast, news from a meeting that's taking place in China, where WHO Director General Margaret Chan and other leading policy experts have agreed a call to action at a three-day conference looking at global TB control. They have agreed to substantially increase global funding and coordinations for tuberculosis prevention and treatment programs. Now, we published the JUPITER trial online a week ago to coincide with its presentation at the American College of Cardiology meeting that took place in Orlando, Florida recently. This is an important study highlighting how statin therapy, in this case resuvastatin, has a powerful effect in lowering LDL cholesterol and C-reactive protein, important for the prevention and treatment of cardiovascular disease. Also this week we publish a review looking at novel opioid antagonists for opioid-induced bowel dysfunction and look out for an unusual case report suggesting that grapefruit consumption could have contributed to a DVT experience in a 42-year-old woman. But back to this week's feature. A research article pulls individual patient data from 10 randomized trials to compare mortality at six years after either coronary artery bypass graft surgery or percutaneous coronary intervention. Earlier, I spoke to one of the study authors, Professor Mark Latke from Stanford University in the United States.
1: Bypass surgery was developed in the late 1960s to take basically uh, an artery or a a vein from the leg or an artery from behind the breastbone and plug that in past obstructions in the coronary artery. So it's an open-heart surgical procedure. Obviously, that's a a big deal to undergo open-heart surgery. So some 10 years later in uh, the late 1970s, uh, angioplasty was developed by uh, Andreas Grunzig, and this uses a catheter, uh, a little uh, tube that's run up from the leg or from the arm, uh, back to the heart, and in the uh, area of obstruction of the artery, a balloon is blown up and uh, the channel is widened at that point. And originally, the technique was just to leave it alone, and now the technique is to put in a uh, little strut around there made out of metal called a stent to help keep that area open uh, in, the, uh, in the future because there's a little tendency for it to scar down over the next six months.
0: How would you summarize clinical practice here in 2009 at the moment for, for these two procedures?
1: Well, the first thing is I think that the, a lot of people think that both of them may be overused, at least here in the States. There's some feeling that we're using both of them too much. So the first question is, uh, does something need to be done to treat the patient's uh, symptoms with a, uh, a procedure? And if the answer to that is yes, then the question, that it, it falls out as to which Uh, one of these treatments is the best. Because angioplasty just treats limited areas in the coronary arteries, it is actually ideal for people who have only one or two spots that need any treatment in the coronaries. By contrast, uh, whenever there's lots of extensive blockages, it would be very difficult to address them all with, with an angioplasty. And so bypass surgery is conceived of as the best approach for those patients. The trials here were done in the middle. In between those two where people have a little bit more extensive disease Um, so either an angioplasty could take care of it or surgery and for that kind of middle ground group there were a question of which treatment was the best and that's where the trials were done.
0: Do just uh, go on a little bit and and talk about the methodology here because you've actually pulled individual patient data haven't you from a number of trials and and that's slightly different I think to conventional meta-analysis.
1: Yes, it is. Um, You know, I think the big thing to say about uh, comparing these techniques is that individual trials were done, a number of trials were done to compare these techniques. The trials were large enough to show differences in things like uh, frequency of chest pain or need for a second procedure, which is more common if you have an angioplasty but they weren't able to show any differences in whether the patient lived or died over a reasonably long period of time, like five years. But not being able to show a difference doesn't mean they're the same. So you have to get enough patients to look at that. Pulling all the data together is is the best way to do that, to provide a more sensitive test. For patients overall, as a group, I think you could do a reasonable job of, of this by just reading the papers and looking at how many patients died and combining them using statistical techniques. But we actually wanted to go one step further, and this is why we needed to do the pooled analysis, which is to say that maybe you have a group of patients, and on average, uh, the two procedures are the same for the group. If you want to say, well, does it matter within the group, uh, are there some patients who maybe do better with angioplasty and others that do better with cabbage? In other words, does the average mean that everybody does the same, or is the average because some people are doing better with one and some people are doing better with the other? We wanted to answer the second question, and so in order to do that, though, we we needed to get a lot of detail about the patient characteristics and how they responded to treatments. That's just not possible just from reading the overall results in the the, uh, uh, published papers. You have to actually get the individual patient data, which is why we organized this collaboration.
0: In order to get the statistical power for you to have meaningful results for uh, subgroup analysis?
1: Well, even more than that, you know, in, in uh, the re- the trials in, in the papers that they publish don't always break out the results by patients with diabetes or patients without diabetes or men versus women or young versus old, uh, all these different ways that you could look at the data and, and that might conceivably have an effect on which treatment was better. That's part of the reason why we, we did this. And the other is that if you actually have the individual data, you can use... Uh, much more sensitive tests in order to see whether there is an effect. That's what motivated us to do the individual patient uh, analysis rather than just uh, the group analysis.
0: Do go on and tell us about the key results from from your study.
1: Well, the key results are uh, that over a long period of time, uh, five to six years, there was no overall difference in the rates of of death after angioplasty or bypass surgery. In patients who um, had disease in, a, in uh, two or more vessels. This is actually expected result because we'd seen this in earlier group-level analyses. But having the individual patient data, we were able to drill into it a little bit deeper. What we discovered was that there it depends a lot on whether you have diabetes or not and what the patient's age was. In short, if patients who have diabetes uh, had a much better survival when they had Bypass surgery than when they had angioplasty. It was actually a fairly uh, substantial effect between the two. At five years, uh, patients who had uh, with diabetes who had cabbage, uh, 12% of them had died versus 20% who had a PCI. So that's a pretty big difference, one that would be clinically meaningful. The other thing we looked at was patient age. And here we found a little more complicated answer where in the the youngest patients seemed to do better with angioplasty, and the older patients seemed to do better with uh, bypass surgery. So on average, there was you know, no difference between the two but it was because of this variation according to age. So this is actually a fairly uh, novel result, although every doctor I've told it to says, oh yes, that makes plenty of sense to me, that younger people should do better with angioplasty and and older with
0: bypass. Do you know why they say that? I'm I'm intrigued about that. I would have thought that uh, PCI being less invasive might favour an older patient group.
1: We're not totally understanding the reason for it. There's two reasons. Uh, One is that it's conceivable that the older patients really have much more extensive disease, that age is really a proxy for more severe disease in other ways that we couldn't measure in this uh, data set. That's why they're doing better uh, with surgery. Uh, Another possibility, and this is one of the ones that I favor, is the idea that you know, bypass surgery is a big deal, and you really can only have one good shot at it. The first one is the best one. If you have to go back and do it a second or third time, it's very difficult. You really want to make sure that if you have coronary disease, you do it at the right time in the course of your disease. And in the, the younger patients, it may just be too early to have done this uh, procedure and that later on in their life, you know, they might've, it might have been a better time for them to have it if they need it. And, whereas for the older patients, it may be that, that by the time they have a later procedure, they'd be too old. And so, you know, it was the right time in their uh, late 60s and early 70s. Do you
0: think there's potential weakness in the study just because particularly angioplasties and, and stenting in particular is quite a fast-moving area, isn't it? Particularly now we have the drug-eluting stents. Possibly there's a weakness in the study here and that we need more time to establish the the value of, of, of these more modern drug-eluting stents than, than you were able to do with this study.
1: I think that's a, a valid concern, although it's, it's kind of a catch-22 because um, uh, in five years when we have enough data about the drug-eluting stents, maybe there'll be some other new technique that we won't know about. So you're always... Trying to hit a moving target here, and when you're evaluating treatments like angioplasty or surgery, which hasn't stayed uh, still either over the past 20 years, there's been a lot of of refinements in the uh, procedure of surgery as well. I actually would predict, although I don't know, but I would predict that the, the trials that look at uh, drug-eluting stents and comparing those with bypass will really show the be quite consistent with our result for mortality, Um, and it's important to say it's for that endpoint of of life or death. And the reason I say that is that whenever uh, trials have been done that have compared uh, balloon angioplasty with with a bare metal stent, um, the prior generation of stents, there was uh, no difference in mortality, although there was a reduction in the need to go back a second time for a repeat procedure. And the exact same thing happened when we introduced drug eluding stents stent coated with a drug to prevent uh, restenosis. In those cases, the drug coating did, in fact, reduce the need for repeat procedures, but again, there was no difference in mortality or heart attack, and in fact, there's some concern that the drug-coated stents now uh, may have later problems because uh, patients need to stay on on, uh, antiplatelet drugs for a longer period of time. So there are trials that are in process. Um, the SYNTAX trial has just reported one-year results. Other ones are, are going to come out um, over the next year or two. Um, but uh, I think that we need a long time period to see how they do. And my prediction would be that we're, it's not going to be substantially different uh, for this outcome of mortality between angioplasty using a drug-coded stent and surgery.
0: And finally, uh, Professor Latke, do we have enough evidence now from this study, this pooled analysis of of 10 published trials to have an effect on clinical practice? You mentioned earlier that maybe some doctors already may think, well, these results aren't that surprising, but do you think these results will change clinical practice in some areas?
1: I I think they should in a couple of ways. The first thing is just to make sure that uh, the patients are fully informed of their choices before we do an an angiogram to see where the problems are. Characteristics like diabetes and the patient's age, uh, so in an older patient or a patient with diabetes, they may want to know about the fact that surgery might be better for them over the long run. And um, knowing that before they go in to have a a, a coronary angiogram uh, will help them have a more informed discussion with their doctors about the best choices. The other thing to say is that I do think it's a personal decision. And we focused on on mortality because if there's a big difference in survival, that's probably going to dominate the decision. But when it's a close call, between the two, you, you might put a lot of stock on other endpoints, like whether uh, it's more effective at relieving chest pain or how long it takes to recover from the procedure. So I do think that there needs to be more discussion in patients with diabetes and older patients about whether um, surgery would be uh, the most appropriate or angioplasty in the event that a procedure is done. The reason this is important, at least in the States, and it's probably the same in the U.K., is that angioplasty can be done at the same time that they have a, a, a diagnostic coronary angiogram. And so there's not as much time to talk about the, uh, the findings when you see them uh, and then decide on the procedure. So if you have this information uh, before you have the angiogram, you can have that conversation beforehand. And in that way, I think the practice should change for sure, is that patients should talk about it with their doctors before they have the angiogram.
0: Well, it's a very interesting, very important analysis. Professor Mark Latke, on the line from the University of Stanford in the United States. Pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much indeed for talking to The Lancet.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Many thanks to Mark Latke. And a comment appears alongside this research article, authored by David Taggart. Well, that concludes this week's podcast for The Lancet. Many thanks for listening. See you next week.